Hello, and welcome to another episode of Retailistic. We are very excited to have Bambooster joining us today, who is the leader in the live streaming space. And there is going to be not only we're going to talk about retailers and brands, but really the future of live streaming. So really want to welcome Sophie, and thanks for joining us today. Sophie, thank you so much for joining us today to talk about one of my favorite topics, which is live streaming. How are you? What's what's your weekend look like? What's going on? Oh, thank you so much for having me and have us talk about my absolute favorite topic, which is live video shopping. Because I got one favorite topic, and that's live shopping. Exactly. Uh, I'm awesome. Thank you. I'm flying out back from Europe uh, to New York tomorrow morning. So that's my weekend. It's transfer. Yeah. <laughs> it's, uh, you know, so you like work all week, travel on the weekends. It's, uh, uh, yeah. yeah, you make it work. Find <laughs> your life it. hack. <laughs> Exactly. So how did you find out originally about the live streaming industry? What drew you to it? And what's keeping you here? Well, I I spent more than 12, 15 years in retail, uh, e-com management, marketing manager, uh, you know, everything that had to do with back then influencer marketing. And I think as soon as video started to take off, and now we're talking 10 years back, uh, eight years back, I realized it's so powerful. I think what we've seen with end consumers for the longest time in retail is that they are looking for authentic content. And as soon as videos started to pop up with, was that YouTube or Insta stories or, you know, uh, TikTok, something appealed to the end consumer. And that was my perspective. When I then ran into my current CEO, when she was pitching the idea very, very early on in like early 2019, I was like, ah, here's where we can make a difference. So uh, I joined in early 2019 before this was a thing because I so firmly believe that video and interactive video was the true way that end consumers want to interact with brands. And that's what keeping me here. I still believe that this is exactly the way we are supposed to interact with our consumers. So I would have thought at this point that live streaming would be bigger than the metaverse, but we're not there. Maybe, maybe 23 or 24 or 25. What do you think is holding brands back? Because when you think about it, you know, kind of the whole kind of everything metaversian and live streaming was about, you know, kind of give or take a year about at the same time. To me, right, live streaming seems much more tangible. And yet we've seen much heavier investment by retailers in the metaverse. Why do you think that is? Well, I think when live streaming came to the West, so let's talk about late 2019, early 2020, it became kind of a marketing tool and we got this huge tailwind of COVID. So we were closing down stores and primarily like marketeers and PR people, like what can we do to keep engaging with our customers? And it became some sort of like engagement slash event tool. I think what we're seeing right now is that we're going over to, this becomes more of a proper pre-sales and post-sales tool. And they are involving their store staff, their experts, uh, their, their actual store and like uh, showrooms. I think we're seeing great traction given how long this has been kind of going on. We're, I would say like we're two and a half, three years into this journey, if you look at, and you know that way better than I do, it took a, quite a couple of years for China as well to really grasp this. Um, you know, metaverse will be there. We'll be probably be part of the metaverse. Yeah, I mean, we, we've actually seen interest from retailers to the live stream in the metaverse. So if you want to talk about kind of everything, all the bright, shiny objects coming together. And, you know, what we're also seeing is interesting. I talked to somebody who's doing a lot in gaming where, right, that's, I think, kind of where we're seeing a lot of the greatest application, this idea of, right, kind of how can we start to do more, if you will, even from a live streaming perspective, right, because we want to start to get to know who we're gaming with. And to me, right, it ends up kind of really what I've always believed, it turns retail into a sport. 
And, you know, we now have the tools in our toolbox, the pencils and the pencil cup, whatever you want to call it, to actually help retailers do that. Yeah, I agree. And, and we're still early, but I do think that, you know, the good thing about the past few years is that everybody's starting to think about things differently. How, how are you seeing that impact the questions that retailers are, and brands are asking you and maybe the questions you're asking them? I think two or three interesting topics that have come up in my, I've had so several hundred retail conversations over the last years. I think one is the authenticity. Like, are the retailers and brands ready to go authentic? Having an actual dialogue and not the monologue, having, you know, the real live shows and not the polished Instagram feeds of their perfect websites. So that's one big topic of conversation. How do I bring my brand into a conversation? Like, bring my brand to have a conversation with the end consumer and how do I dare to go live? How do I dare to be authentic? Dare to answer those really annoying questions, which on the other hand is exactly what you need to do to be appealing to the vote generation of consumers that know that they want, you know, they vote with their wallets. They know that where they put their money is where they make a difference. And the brands that have that courage, like the brave brands, uh, probably are the ones that will make it in the long run. So that's, I would say is one, um, the authenticity. The other one is kind of starting to really bridge, you know, resources. How, who do I place in front of the camera? And over the last two years, we've seen this shift from let's place someone expert in being a public persona, let's say YouTube or an influencer, uh, an Instagram or TikToker to go, hmm, but maybe the experts are people I have in my company. So the other conversation is how do I find the right talent within my company? How do I get a buy-in from the bottom up? You know, how do I find that expert, that customer service agent, that store assistant that really knows how to communicate and add value to customer conversation in video? Uh, Those are two big trends, I would say. How do you think that it, I mean, we could talk all day about this because there's so much that is happening so dynamically. So number one, right, we've often seen that, you know, the CMO, you know, live streaming is falling kind of underneath their purview, right? They're looking at oftentimes as marketing, not as selling, which I think is actually a mistake personally, because to me, it's the highest ROI you're going to have, especially with the drop in returns. So the numbers that Coresight has used is that returns drop 50%. When we were talking to brands about 10-10, most of them said that they were seeing returns at like the 2 to 4% level, which is like mind-blowing, right? We've like never heard of those kinds of numbers. Yeah, let me chime in here. So I think, first of all, it started out as a tool for a lot of CMOs. Yes, they had they panicked over the world being in lockdown. They were the ones brave enough with budgets to spend and kind of introduce live shopping. We will always be eternally thankful for the CMOs that really took that leap of faith in early 2020. But I think the like the the more we work and the more data we collect, we see that success come from the e-commerce buy-in. This is not a marketing tool. This is an e-com amplifier. So as soon as you start doing frequent shows, you start really answering the customer questions. You start adding value long-term. Uh, you, you do everything from size fitting to materials. You do Q&As. You have everyone from your uh, dermatologist, if you're selling a skincare, to your designer if you're, or your buyer, if you're selling fashion. Uh, that's where you add value. Uh, and coming back to the 10-10 event, yes, the returns are lower. And I'll tell you why. Because you finally have that conversation you usually have with a store assistant. You can ask them about the fitting, but what, how tall are you? Is this really my size? Uh, you know, instead of buying two jackets in a small and a medium and just keep the one that fits you, you know that the small will fit you because you asked a person. So I think that whole shift from a monologue to a dialogue is really um, what, what's, what's a game changer. And when I say it's a 
it's an e-commerce tool and it amplifies e-commerce, usually my argument would be if the current online behavior is video, it's Zoom, it's FaceTime, it's TikTok, it it, it Reels, it's YouTube, and your online e-commerce experience is static, then of course the current conversion is like one to two, maybe 3%. But if you start saying the online current the online behavior is video and my e-commerce is next generation. It's video and it's interactive. You know what? Your conversion rate starts tenfold. It's 10, it's 20%. And of course, with that, it also comes that we lower the return. So it's it's literally the biggest proof of this is for e-commerce. Then marketing is part of the e-commerce setup, but it's primarily a tool for e-commerce managers. What, on, on the back of that, there's so much to talk about. So first for 1010, it was amazing working with Bamboozer because companies were literally able to get onto the platform and go live within like a matter of days. And there was a talk about like, and, and there was like constant surprise. It's so easy. It's seamless, right? It easily integrates. Can you talk about some of the other feedback? Like when you're talking, because I think there is a disconnect between how difficult brands and retailers think it is and how simple it actually is to go live. You know, when we went to market, we said, this is going to be as easy as using, you know, shooting a video on your iPhone, because that was the target, you know, the ideal customer profile back then was probably a 30 year old uh, person with an iPhone. So going live with Bambooster is as easy as using an iPhone. It's just an app. Um, I think there's a misperception in that you need to do this whole big strategy and this like super almost television, uh, you know, production, just go lo-fi, just get started. Um, you know, our platform is, it's, it's a very easy kind of low, you just do, uh, you integrate on iframe, we scrape some products and you go live and then we'll see, you know, afterwards you want, you can edit. If you don't want, you can take it offline, but just start using the tool. And where we see the most success is where the retailers trust us and just start streaming. You know, you need consistency, you need frequency. And I tell everyone, it's like, you remember when we, everyone started talking about SEO, you know, I'm in old enough to remember. And it was like, People that did not, like the retailers that did not invest in SEO when that started, they had to pay for the traffic five, six years along the road because all of a sudden the ones with a good ranking got all the traffic. I think live streaming is kind of in the same moment. Like now is the time to get started. It's easy. So just do it until you find your magic kind of sauce to this. Because once this is how everyone is shopping, if you don't know how to connect with your consumers, if you don't know what really works with your end consumer, then you will have to pay someone to tell you what works. Uh, so now is like when you can make the leap uh, and really get ahead of the game. I mean, it's interesting. We were talking to somebody earlier today and you could see they felt very overwhelmed, right? They're like, I'm, I'm putting together my Excel spreadsheet, right? I'm like, you know, I'm mapping out every little thing that I need to do. And, you know, the messaging from our side was the same. It's like literally pick a few products, right? You know, we, we usually look at three to five minutes per product, do a 30 minute stream, have one of your sales associates and like, just try it. And I said, you know, first of all, if there's no real investment, right, you've got the platform fee, but that's really right. And you're using the the people you have, the product you have, right? Let's just try and see what works. Because I said, the great thing about it is you can still have a live streaming strategy for holiday 22. Oh, yeah. Like you, I think like average right now, we, from sign to first live is not even 30 days. Uh, and if you're ambitious, you can do this. I've seen turnarounds in 48 hours. Those are brave people with very uh, agile tech teams. But, you know, that's kind of how easy it is. If you really want to do something, 48 hours, they are sufficient. And that is amazing when you start to think about, you know, the the impact that could still be had. I mean, we look at, once again, it's the highest ROI of anything you're going to sell. And if it can be this easy to kind of turn it on, I think that is a game changer in terms of, but there is there, 
I guess, is there more of an agile mindset that's needed? Like, what are you seeing in terms of those who are, you know, I, I need to, to wait and see versus those who are just kind of jumping with two feet? What's the difference? Well, I think there is a lot of agile mindset in kind of the decision-making stakeholder layers. They really want to try this. Then I think these things all, these initiatives always end up in overly jammed mid-management layers where people have a lot on their plates. They were the ones given social media 10 years ago. They were the ones given like influencer marketing five years ago. They were the ones that had to figure out SEO 15 years ago. So I think they have a lot of KPIs. They have a lot of projects and they're like, oh, live stream too. Um, I think where we see the greatest success is where they find one person that kind of spareheads, uh, like an internal champion. And what I realized when I went over, I spent a lot of time in um, in Japan uh, meeting with a lot of customers, and they have seen success when they engage with their store staff. There's a way of getting a buy-in from the masses of your company. If you start saying, hey, it's going to be the so cool you know, shop assistants in my flagship store live streaming, all of a sudden that expectation of producing is no longer on, you know, the marketing manager team. It's on a super engaging, very motivated, awesome team in a store. So I think finding an internal champion and then realizing it doesn't have to be such a big, such a heavy lift. Take your marketing calendar, say, wow, I got 10 touchdowns from 1st of October to end of year. Let me find five of those that are valid for live stream from a marketing brand perspective. And then for the rest, let's do a weekly show from one of my stores. It doesn't have to be more complex than that. You know, at Coursight, we've estimated the US live streaming market at $20 billion this year. And, you know, to maybe be a little conservative, looking at 2025 is $57 billion. How do those numbers, right, when you think about the fact that, you know, I mean, I would have thought we'd be in a different place right now and that we'd be on a different place in the curve. When do you think we kind of hit that inflection point? And then what do you think it means for the size of the industry? Well, if I look at the zero customers we had in 2019 and the number of brands we have successfully onboarded on a global scale in two and a half years, I'm very confident. Like I'm very confident that the, we would probably, like my my gut feeling would say another nine to 12 months before we start seeing the adoption that we really need to get the volumes. But if I look at markets where we see or markets or specific, specific verticals, we already have the end consumer adoption. Like the end consumers find the streams, the end consumers watch the streams, the end consumers buy. That's what we see the low returns, the high conversion rates, the great, like average viewing is like eight minutes on my platform. That means that people stay for eight minutes online. That's undivided attention. You don't get there anywhere, not even in a store to get eight minutes of someone's attention. So end consumers are there. I think it's now it's a lot of groundwork to be done to build this industry. And that's, that's Bambooster together with other vendors in the space, together with big retailers to create those communities where we learn from each other. So we accelerate the retailer adoption because the end consumers, they're just waiting for us to catch up with what they already are doing. Yeah. There's an interesting actually correlation or at least similarity between the you know, what we're seeing from a, a content perspective, et cetera, and like with VR, right? Because in, in VR, right, there's, you know, it's like the consumer in some cases is, is very much ready, right? The, you know, we, we haven't kind of seen that market play out exactly as we would. A lot of the retailers are ready, but there's, there's like a disconnect along the way. And I feel like with live streaming, right, the consumer is absolutely there, right? They want this more than anything. The retailers are like, yeah, you know, I don't know who's going to own it, right? What are the opportunities? And, and I think that right now, I don't know if you're seeing this, but I do feel there's in some cases a fear 
because of the volatile macro environment, because of, you know, around job security. And it's like, do I really want to take something on that's that may be viewed as risky or maybe viewed as a challenge, right? Whereas, you know, everything's gonna be fine if I just kind of stick with where I'm at. How how do you think about the risk tolerance right now, even in an agile mindset? I would agree that the risk tolerance is lower than a year ago, definitely. But I also think the only thing you need to do is get the right stakeholders to zoom out and realize that e-commerce has been the same thing for 20 years. There will eventually be a leap. Do you want to be ahead of that leap or do you want to try to catch up with everyone else two years from now? Um, then when it comes to the risk aversion within the organizations that are doing the actual live show, so not the head of innovations or the CEOs or like the founders, but the people that will actually do the live shows. I think it's about education, showing them that it's not scary to have a dialogue. It's not scary to, you know, the logo fall off the wall or someone's just late to a live show. That's not something that will ruin a live show. That's something that will make, that will add value to your relationship to your customer. I think that's a big shift. If you look at, I, you know, I come from luxury um, fashion, the luxury fashion industry. They had this tremendous fear of influencers in the early 2010s. Like it was insane. They were, they refused to be seen with influencers. They couldn't, you know, use their stuff. They couldn't tag them. They were like, they were terrified. But then as soon as they started to gain traction, they realized, oh, these are the best advocates we could potentially ever have because they know exactly how to take my brand and translate it into their audience instead of me trying to figure out inside out what works with that target audience. And I think we will probably see the same happening here. At a certain point, the brands will realize you can spend hours and hours and week trying to figure out what will be the perfect live stream that conveys my brand messaging. But after all, everything you need is figuring out what's my live persona, what's my live voice, and then just go. Because that is what will tip your end consumers to love you even more. And we see that there's so much research showing that end consumer wants authentic relationships with brand. They want to be able to ask questions. And the brands, they will survive because we're, you're in a recession. We have, we're in the middle of a, you know, the climate crisis. We are very aware. We know that consumption is it's not sustainable. The brands that will survive, in my opinion, are the brands that have the courage to face their audience, to face their consumers and have a dialogue about everything from how they dye their denim to how they think about returns to how they invest their money. And those conversations, they will happen in live streams. Yeah. I mean, it's interesting. We've often encouraged different retailers and brands to have their, their management teams with them in these streams. And so when you know we were doing a lot of work, kind of go-to-market strategies from Western brands into China around live streaming... That was actually one of the biggest hurdles. It's like, no, they actually want to hear how you grow your food, where you grow it. You know, are you, you know, what's your GMO policy, thinking about pesticides, right? Because the consumer there, it actually takes 12 touch points to convert. They are incredibly well educated. In the, in the West, it's four. Because we, in some ways, we just don't have the touch points. And so as the consumer, right, becomes more educated on your brand, I think, number one, they become more brand loyalists. So you you can do more with with fewer. And you also have this real change in, you know, they can be brand ambassadors, advocates, you know, who knows, eventually influencers and creators, because they now have a lot of knowledge about your brand. And I do think that there ends up being this interesting kind of, uh, I mean, it's almost, I mean, I, and I'm sure you're seeing this, there's so much focus on loyalty programs right now, but in my mind, right, the loyalty program can just be, you know, or, or a, a way to think about loyalty can be about live streaming. Definitely. I agree. I think having a a real dialogue with your customers is probably what will take you to the next level. And if you just look at, 
you should say, go into, if you don't know what to live stream, talk to your customer success department, ask them, what are the 10 most common questions we get? You know, answer those pain points. Uh, talk to your uh, post-sales reps. There are so much to be found in existing pain points that you would never address in marketing, but you can do with a live stream. And I remember, I'm not going to mention the, the, the specific name, but it was a very uh, premium skincare brand. And we started live streaming and they are, they have these flawless, gorgeous young women and they have the most expensive and the most fabulous, to be honest, products. And in all these live streams, these people started asking like, hey, what about, you know, I got acne or uh, my, I got aging skin or I have, you know, I have dark spots. And they were like, but how can we do this? We don't want to do live streams about dark spots and aging skin. And I'm like, I know you don't want to, but trust me, if your website is going to be these flawless young women forever, at a certain point, the younger generations won't buy your products. They want you to have a live stream and talk about, hey, aging skin, hey, dark spots, because that's the reality. And when you're live streaming, you can't deny that customers have questions that you might dodge because it's not on brand. But I'm pretty sure that once you find a smart way of including those things into your brand narrative, you will see a positive uh, effect. Oh, I couldn't agree with you more. And I think also like one of the, I'll tell you some of the experiences we've had and ultimately, right, for us, the client is always right. So as much as I I do think it's a great idea for many reasons to use your your in-store associates, right? They're, they're passionate, they know the brand, right? They can be great brand ambassadors and whatnot. You know, but there is this interest oftentimes in terms of working with creators who don't know your brand. And so maybe there needs to be a better brand education, but I do think that, you know, you can end up with this. It's really a word you used earlier. It's like this lack of authenticity, but it's like, oh, I love to use this. And I'm like, you don't even know what it is and you've never used it. And I can tell exactly. that, right? Yeah. And so it's, I do, you know, there, there's a whole kind of opportunity there. And then I think what that does is if we use kind of store associates, it could be e-commerce personnel or whatnot, we're now creating a completely different career trajectory for them too, right? Because we are, I think we're, I think we're creating even two, you know, I think when I, I met with a bunch of people working like hands-on with live streaming last week and I was like, you know what guys, in two years from now, you have a completely unique skill set, and you can go to any retail and you know how to run live streams. Like that's something that everyone will look for in a couple of years when, you know, when adoption hits, you're going to be really high value out on the labor market. And the other part is, I think we're also finding the third generation of influencers. Like the first one were the ones really great on photo. They were awesome. You know, the the bloggers, the Instagrammers, that they, they knew their, how to work their angles. They always looked flawless. They had their boyfriend, photographers, like everything they did was perfect. And then we got into like the video influencers, the TikTokers, the, you know, the, the YouTubers, and they just really know how to make content stand out in video. And now we're going into like 3.0, which is, the engaging, interacting video influencers, the ones that reads the chat, that realizes, oh, this entire stream is taking a new direction because I got this awesome comment or they just, you know, that has a slightly different touch. And I think there are few unique people that have gone from, you know, Instagram to YouTube and TikTok and would probably be awesome in live streaming. And there are the ones that were specific for each segment. And I think we're going to see a rise of a lot of 3.0 influencers, you know, the live streamers. And they might be your... I don't know, graphic designer, your your shop assistant, they might be someone you did not expect, your uh, buyer in your showroom. Um, so it's very exciting. I think we're seeing, you know, 10 years from now, we're going to be sitting here and say like, imagine how many jobs, you know, this industry created and we couldn't even foresee it back then. Yeah, I, I mean, what I like to, I mean, the thing, so personally, what I love about live streaming is that, you know, it's all of your, your you and your company's like, 
wrinkles, imperfections, and everything, right, exposed. And I think that it goes, like, to me, once you expose all of that, right, and the consumer really understands, they they will either, like, you know, love you more or decide that it's not for them. But I think that once they really kind of discover, because, right, we we really want to discover our true selves and and the mirror that that is and, and the brands that represent that. And I feel that, you know, going back to, like, kind of my, my early days in China with live streaming, I mean... You would find, you know, a live streamer and it's like, they were talking to you, right? And they had a direct, and you're like, they know me, right? Everything they're saying, it's like, it's like they're talking to me. And then, right, because, and I think you brought up something that's incredibly important, this like idea that they are the ones, or maybe they have a co-host, you know, it's great. And sometimes there's so many comments, you need to have other people answering them. I understand that. But when the, the kind of, let's say the KOL, the influencer, the live streamer, creator, what are we going to call them? When they're not connected to the comments, I feel like, you know, it's almost like it's pre-recorded, which is a topic I want to talk about as well. And and they're going in one direction and the chat is going in another. And it's like, no, wait. And like, sometimes I'll ask questions and I'm like, but, and then you get annoyed, angry, upset that they're not answering them because that's why you're there. Exactly. No, no, I completely agree. And I think that whole sort of authenticity in your true self, don't you think that this whole COVID experience the world has been through for the last two and a half years, where we all started meeting on Zoom with or without makeup and you know as as 2020 progressed we got more and more kind of casual and we started seeing business partners in their living rooms and their bedrooms and their kitchens i think all of a sudden it felt like such a disconnect to have this perfectly narrated brands when reality was so much different then i just want to put a you know, i want to put a footnote in here and i i say that we do see great co- results when we work with high quality, really brand specific content. And we do like really cool productions, but I think those are to be seen as kind of like events. It's not like you're, you know, see that as like your, um, your monthly in-store sample friends and family sale, or you're like opening, opening a new flagship. It's not your day-to-day people walking in through your door. And I think you need to have both. You need to have that live stream that welcomes everyone every day. That's like, that's like on your floor, you get the nice people and it's authentic. Then of course you want everyone to dress up and get a you know glass of champagne once in a month and go into your store and buy a you know a put together little package and that can be that really kind of high production high fire um, live stream you need both but I think it's very dangerous when you think you only need to do the perfect production and it's completely unnecessary because you will never see the ROI in those productions that you will see from the everyday frequent shows. You know you hit on a very important point and it's what we saw let's call it 2020 right where. Retailers were used to kind of doing, right, like a magazine shoot, right? And everything was perfect. And so they somehow expected to take that magazine and make it reality on live streaming. And I'm like, well, that's not, they have nothing to do with each other, right? And, but, but if you think about it, a lot of times the creative people who are doing magazine shoots were the same ones who were then tasked with live streaming. And I think they just, you know, that's a, that's a big leap or a difference. And that takes a very special, you know, kind of. But, you know, it, it doesn't have to be that hard. If you talk to brand managers, to marketing managers, you say, do you remember when influencers came around and you said, hey, I'm going to tell them where to go. I'm going to tell them what angle to shoot. I'm going to tell them what to wear. And I'm going to tell them how to post and what filters to use on Instagram. And then I'm going to post and I'm going to tag me. And they saw zero engagement. And then they, they had the courage to go, hey, Take, go into my showroom, pick whatever you think, style it your way and do content that resonates with you, hence is authentic to your audience. 
those brands, when they started doing that and realized that, oh, as soon as they can take my items, they style them in a way that resonates with their audience, their audience will respond and they will convert and they will engage. I think here's the same thing. It's just a matter of like, eventually you will get it. When all these brands went on Instagram, it looked like their editorials, e-com site pages went onto a feed. Then two years in, they realized, well, Instagram isn't the prettiest pictures from my e-com editorials. And they started creating ad hoc material for Instagram. So I think it's like a normal progression of things. We learn how to deal with influencer and what content really works. We learned that Instagram was not your e-com site. So, you know, we're going to learn. Brands will, they're quick to adapt once they see and gain traction. And the brands are now trying and experimenting and realizing that, okay, it's a different channel. I need a different approach. And they're starting to see tremendous success. They will eventually get everyone else on board. What What do you think about the the idea right now where right retailers we have to go to the retailers websites in order you know for the most part to experience the live stream and so you already have to in some ways have a relationship with that retailer i feel like sometimes the discovery can be hard how right right now we're almost kind of happenstancing upon a live stream as opposed to you know having it in in, in a feed or whatnot like this is what's happening when how do you feel like we get to, because almost like watching TV, how do you think we get there, right? If I'm, let's say I'm I'm going skiing, right? And I need like a jacket and, you know, I need pants and I need new boots and I need sock liners and socks and goggles and whatnot. And, and right, maybe that's five or six different live streams, but how do I find them? And then how do I also find the brands that are right for me? Well, I think you just... Going back to, I don't think this is an event. I don't think you need to try to get people to a specific live stream, a specific day. If you look at this as an e-com amplifier, what you need to do is when I drive traffic to my website, where do I want the traffic to go? Well, I want it to go where people stay for eight minutes and they don't leave me, right? May that be that you create a library, like an archive or a playlist, call it whatever you want to call it, which shows that we see everything from like Clarence to QVC, you know, they're doing these things. They're building out these huge archives of shows you tag them, you know, they rank, you start searching. I think you're going to search for products. You're going to search for videos. You're not going to search for pictures and, and photos in a couple of years or a couple of months time. So one is like just getting the idea that my e-commerce, when I optimize my e-commerce for traffic, I do that to drive people into the video because that's where I engage with them. That's where I get their opinion. And that's where I know that I have got 10 times higher conversion. Then of course, you know, part of the strategy for, for Bamboo is to be able to simulcast. You need to get out there. So, you know, we know people are on various social platforms. We want to make sure that if you run a live stream, cast it onto Twitch, cast it onto Facebook, cast it onto TikTok, no problem whatsoever. But eventually for every e-com manager, it's about driving traffic and quality traffic and conversion to your website, higher the AOV, higher, you know, uh, you know, the basket size and making sure that conversion funnels is shorter. That's just, you're going to continue doing that. The only thing you're going to do is you're going to swap that boring static e-com page to an interactive video, right? May that be in 50% of the cases, a live video, and in 50% of cases, a recorded on demand video, but it's not going to be text, it's going to be video. So it's just a way of like steer those efforts and be smart. Um, and in the meanwhile, make sure that that content hits as many outlets as they can. So as we kind of think about the the go forward, you know, I think we've seen, you know, 63% of retailers, you know, currently use live streaming and we expect, you know, and they expect kind of more than 10% revenue growth through the channel in the next years. I mean, those are some pretty big numbers. 
And I think that when you talk to folks, they don't realize actually how pervasive live streaming is or the revenue, if you will, kind of assistance that it's already driving. Um, how do you think that aware or, or people like, oh, this is like the best kept secret, right? We don't want to share it. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. What, what do you think is happening and, and where do you think that goes? I think it's true. I think, you know, people like you and me will live and breathe live shopping. Like my team, you know, we wake up, we go to bed and this is kind of what, what's in our head from morning to night. So it's easy to like, you know, connect the dots and be enthusiastic and share stats. But I think part of what I see as the mission for myself personally, but for my company is to advocate and it's to create this industry. I think we need to create an industry. We need to bring these trailblazing, super cool brands together. You know, if I, if I just put them in one room and we work with some of the largest conglomerates in the world and some of the coolest D2C brands in the States, I just need them to meet each other because they are running in their own little silo. They are, you know, trying to get the buy-in from so many internal stakeholders. They're trying to figure out what's their magic re- recipe to everything and get this ROI, but they are not alone, but they will never know unless we bring them together. So I think there's a lot of work to be done in building an industry for the retailers, like the end consumer, they're they're out there on the platforms. They are adopting this behavior. I think the retailers need to meet, they need to have conversations, they need to ask, ask each other, how, how did you get that buy-in? What was your like key to success? Tell me what you did wrong. Like help me cut the corners, give me some data. And I think one of the reasons we are successful in gaining a lot of big logos is the fact that we can help them cut corners. We can say, hey, I've I've, I've I've got data from three years back now. I can tell you this vertical, this company, uh, this country, these kind of uh, products, here are a few things like, you know, do ABC and you have a guaranteed kind of baseline success. And I think that's where we are. We need to build an industry. We need to be inclusive. We need to get no matter what sauce vendor, no matter what social media platform, no matter, you know, if it's a marketplace or on your e-commerce site, like just, just bring all these people together. Let's create an industry. I think that will be the fastest way to reach adoption for retailers. And once we have that, no, bingo. I mean, I really want to compliment you. You had a conference earlier this summer and you really did an amazing job of bringing everyone together in an environment where they felt comfortable to learn about live streaming, to learn more about kind of, you know, the the tools that are bamboozer, and then to kind of come back and and have fun and really talk about everything that we learned in a very comfortable environment. And I, I do feel that that, I just want to compliment you. I think that that, so right, you say about community and bringing people together, I mean, you're doing it, right? And you brought all of us together. And I think that there was, there was a lot of magic that happened there. I also think what's very unique about you and bamboozer is that the this idea of right, you want you're you're very welcome and opening, right? There's a lot of live streaming companies out there, right? And 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 you need them, right? You need that to have an industry. And I think you've been very open to partnering, including, and I think that inclusiveness really, I think it's helping the whole industry, which it needs right now. And I, I want to encourage you to keep at it because I think that it's it's critical for the industry to grow. Well, thank you first of all for complimenting the conference. That was one of the most heavy lifting things we've done in the team ever. So the team will be very thankful to hear that it paid off that well. Uh, and as for the industry, I think if you look at all the estimates of what this market can become in three, two, five years from now, there's going to be enough for everyone, right? Um, there will be plenty of opportunities, no matter if you're a regional player, if you're a niche player, if you're a global enterprise player like we are. So I think it's 
we have to do this. Um, and I'm, I'm happy that we are perceived as a company that are inclusive to that extent. You know, I just a couple of hours ago was scrolling through, you know, the competitive kind of, you know, we have a, this list like existing competitors or when you want to call them like existing live stream companies and just thinking how few those lines were two years ago. And now I scroll to me, that tells me that we're doing something right. We're on the right path. So there's really nothing in everything that's going on in terms of competition or adoption or the fact that we have social media giants jumping into this. All of these just all of these things just tells me Bambooster is on the right path. Um, so yeah, it's just exciting. It's funny you mentioned that. I was just in Israel, geez, I guess it was just last week, although it feels longer. <laughs> and I met about a half dozen, you know, kind of, I would say fairly advanced live streaming companies. And then I met like another half dozen who are kind of just getting their feet wet. Let's call it pre-seed, seed, A round. And the passion that they have for the industry, that in and of itself, right? Because the more they talk about it and provide, right, kind of consistency around what it is, who owns it, how to move it forward, I do think is really incredibly important. It's going to be a groundswell. Yeah, I mean, I feel definitely. like, like I agree with your nine to 12 months. I mean, I've kind of been thinking about like mid 23, but that could be mid to, you know, second to third quarter. So I think our, our timelines are, are aligned. And I do think, yeah, I mean, you know, even as much as we research the industry, there are platforms I'm not aware of. And I'm like, wow, which is great. I love that because I find it very inspiring. So I want to, I want to spend our last few minutes. I, I've, I've, you know, I'm a note taker. So I've got some <laughs> things that you said that I really want to kind of dive into, but this, let's, let's, you know, we want to make this fast. All right. What does frequent mean to you? You talked about frequent live streams. How do you define it? I would say frequency is either doing multiple shows a day or multiple shows a week. Frequency is definitely not doing multiple shows a month. Uh, I, I'm, I'm happy with you telling me your ambition is a couple of shows a week. I would love you to say it's a couple of shows a day, uh, but that comes down to, you know, inventory, uh, staff, whatever you can talk to a marketing calendar. I get it. But I think frequency has to be at least a couple of shows a week. You need to start creating behavior and you need to start having enough shows. So there's data we can, we can benchmark with. So there's, you know, something, a hypothesis we can try. We need to get volume. All right. You said go lo-fi, just get started. What does that mean? That means all you need is a smartphone. Go ahead and try. If you really want to make it, put it on a tripod or add a ring light, depending on what you're selling. But I think have the courage to go authentic and not make it bigger of a deal than one person filming, one in front of the camera and one um, arranging for the product highlights and the chat. Like in three people, you can do this. And I tell you this fun fact, Two and a half years ago, I was on set and we were three people and we run entire show. So I know it works because I've done it in person. So I think that's for me is lo-fi, one phone and three people. And that's all you need to get started. Yeah. And with the right platform, I mean, you, you can do these things really easily. And, you know, like we've said, it's all about the mistakes that makes this fun. So it leads me to my next question. What is the kind of, you know, the, the, I don't know if we want to call them mistakes, you know, unexpected events that have happened during a live stream that you think really made the stream. Oh, well, we had, um, we definitely had early live streams where logos fell off the wall, which, you know, made people laugh <laughs> like crazy. We had a live stream with a question where, where the horse jumped out and just disappeared. And like, oh, Jesus, an entire horse just ran off out of, you know, the whole show. Um, but you know, we had shows where people that were, it, it was such a new thing to live stream that they had no clue that you need internet, like you need Wi-Fi or you need like a great 4G. So they were just like walking and the guy or girl filming couldn't really, 
you know, follow and the quality was so poor because they were so, and they just like ran through like a sports, you know, stadium or something. Um, but when you look back at those streams, those are also the streams like, oh, remember that, that one show when the horse like ran off? Like, yeah. Like everyone would remember that one, right? I've loved, I've seen like food burning to the point that they had to get out a fire <laughs> extinguisher. That was good. Yes. <laughs> I've seen, right? Like, you know, the, the best I think actually is when the kids come in because it's like, and, and, I, and it's interesting also to see how people, like I've seen people scream at their kids. I'm like, okay, that, and it's like live. That's, like a, that's more like a Zoom call <laughs> than a live stream. <laughs> and you're like, oh yeah, that's not. One time we were working with a, actually a luxury brand and they were a live show. This is when things were locked down in a store. And there's people who think that the store is open. They're like pounding on the door to come in that store. But that's kind of the whole thing. Like, this is what we really want to experience, right? We want to have fun. We want to see like real, you know, real things. No, it's, it's what makes it fun. All right. And then I think one of the numbers that you said that was, you know, certainly one that we all want to think about is that the eight minutes average viewing on Bamboozer, that's a big number, right? When you think about it compared to e-commerce, what do you think kind of goes through consumers' minds? Is it that they're just, are they very engaged? Are they chatting with other people in the stream? How are they using those eight minutes? And then are you seeing them, you know, it can be their anecdotal or just the data you have. Are they usually just going to like one stream a day or are they going to multiple? Okay, to answer your first question, uh, we the eight minutes are on the live shows. It's not on the recorded show. So I do think when we look at recorded stuff, like four to six minutes. So there's something with a live element that keeps people another 25% of, you know, that adds a lot of value. So it's definitely the chat, the interaction, the other participants, there might be polls, there might be, you know, special promotions. But I think one of the key to success is that you're shielded. You're on a website and there are no push notifications. There's nothing popping up. There's no banner on the like on the side. If you go on YouTube or if you're on Instagram, there's so much going on all the time. Like keeping that attention is so darn hard on a live stream on your website, once they're there and if you're good at entertaining and, and you know, educating or like keeping the interest, they will stay. And we know for average eight minutes, imagine when you're really good, then you can excel and keep people for like 15 minutes. So that's one part. I think the live element definitely makes a difference in terms of viewing and the fact that it's shielded from all other kinds of, um, of interactions. The second question, I lost myself here. So as you kind of think about, well, let, let's, let's kind of take it here. As you, as you think yeah. about kind of, because I've, I've already, I've got like, I, as I look at the number of questions <laughs> that we still have, it's a lot to do. But, you know, we were talking about kind of just, as you think about kind of the eight minutes of, of viewing on average, right? That's, that's a long time. So, you know, in, in most opinions, right, if you think about how much time people spend on a website, where do you think we are kind of right now in that? And are people kind of watching like multiple and what kind of data, you know, what, and, and I guess also too, what kind of data can you share to the brands and how can they better understand as well? Like how can they improve upon themselves stream to stream? So as of now, our platform, we made a strategic decision not to uh, own customer transactional data. So I can't track individuals, you know, from one stream to another, but I can track, you know, when someone enters the show, whatever happens within the player for that specific session. Uh, I know a lot of our customers, they add their own tracking, you know, they connect their CRM systems to this and they draw their own conclusions, but I can't really talk on behalf of those brands. But I think what we really see is that we see a, we see a really clear correlation between the minutes you spend, the number of interactions you have in the chat and your purchase intent. 
So there's definitely some magic happening between you enter the show. There's something that makes you start interacting. That might be a very well-studied question like, hey, tell me where you're tuning in from. But once you kind of get over the threshold, like starting to talk or like write and text, participate in the chat, you're so much more prone to make a purchase. That's one of those correlations that we really push. It's like, hey, if you're having this live stream and you have the most awesome host, make sure that hosts know how to engage the audience because once they're in the chat, they're so much closer to, to buying something than if they're just watching. All right, I'm going to ask you two more questions. What is the one piece of advice that you have to retailers who have not yet started in live streaming? Well, going back to all of the topics we've covered, I would say dare to go live and dare to lower the threshold. And if I can add, give it some time. Because it wasn't your first Instagram post that gave you the most like. It wasn't your, you know, when you started doing SEO, it wasn't after a week you saw the organic traffic coming in. And it wasn't your first influencer partnership that really made it. So just dare to, I think probably dare to go now and not when this really is mass adoption because that will give you the first mover advantage um, and give it some time. And we're here, you know, we have the data, we can benchmark, we can help you. We have, you know, we know how to help you cut the corners, but for me to help you succeed, I need to have shows to look at. All right. Well, you perfectly set up my last question. So (laughs) is there a first mover advantage? I would say you can see that in all big shifts within marketing, those brands that were really good at figuring out their magic formula, when this channel started to grow, they really leaped ahead of the competition. You can see it in, you know, from Facebook to Instagram to TikTok, uh, just from, from like regular commerce to e-commerce, like those, it, that's just the way it is. So yes, of course there will be a first mover advantage. I tell a lot of brands, be the first one to run auditions in your stores for the next live commerce star. Be the first brand to create a destination that's more than just selling. That's something that brings together the community around what you're selling. Uh, there will be. Uh, a lot of brands that maybe they started, maybe they will get started in early 2023. And when we look back at this, when you and me have this, you know, other podcast in 10 years, we're going to go like, look at that early adopter. They just completely took off. I'm, I'm convinced. I'm very convinced it would be such an advantage. Yes. I, I mean, hey, we may have that conversation in 12 months, right? Depending on how the industry falls. <laughs> Oh, yeah. even better, even better. <laughs> Sophie, thank you so much for joining me. I feel like we just scratched the surface. This is great. Have a great weekend and a safe flight. Oh, we did. Thank you so much. Have a great day, Deborah. Thank you. Thank you, everyone, for joining us for another episode of Retailistic, where we had Sophie from Bamboozer. We learned about not only the eight minutes that people are spending on live streams on average, which is a huge number. Uh, we talked about kind of this idea, you know, pre-record or not. And then lastly, just like where, you know, when do we start to hit that kind of exponential, you know, inflection point? And Sophie and I are both on the same page, kind of like mid-23, so it's around the corner. So retailers, right, time to get on board. Thanks for joining us. Please like, subscribe on your podcast channel of choice. I'm looking forward to seeing everyone next week. Thanks so much.